This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Our guest, Joseph Dreesen, who is with us now. How to help children improve their self-management skills. When to stop and think about what their next move should be instead of going with the impulsive choice. How to manage time and tasks, how to concentrate better and plan ahead. Collectively, these are called executive skills, which grow slowly over time. Very slowly for some of us. Parenting coach and educator Joseph Dreesen has advice for your children and possibly for you. Morning, Joseph. Hey, good morning. Lovely talking. Yes. Now, these self-management skills, where do they originate from, come from in our development? Um, well, they originate from our uh, frontal cortex, which in, in, in humans are 35% of our brain. Um, if you compare that, say, to uh, an animal like a cat, which is basically instinct-driven, uh, that's only 2.5%. And so we find, you know, as we say that, you know, dogs have have uh, have uh, uh, dogs have humans look after them, and cats have staff. <laughs> you know, the cats are basically unteachable, very hard. And so our children are incredibly teachable because we've got millions of years of cultural evolution. So that part of that brain is actually the top of the brain. It's highly networked. It is sort of the apex of evolution in terms of consciousness. And our children take a while to grow that. It sort of grows and it sort of finishes that growth around about the mid-20s. But all of us mature all our lives. So that's where it resides. And, of course, when things go wrong, uh, for some children, it's just genetic, like some children are great at organization and self-control and, and controlling their impulsivity and knowing the correct where they are and what to remember. But other children find this harder. And when there's a mismatch between the development of the executive skills and the demands on the child, and often to get stress and anger and rows between parents and children, so that's where they come from. All right. So to help develop their um, self-regulation or their, their self-management, what are the specific skills that a child needs to learn or to help be helped to learn? Yeah, actually, the, the self-management skills have been studied quite a lot. They come in two sets, the, 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 the fundamental skills which separate us from sort of the impulsivity and instinct-driven, say, of a, kit, of a kitten or a cat, are four skills or five, and then from that we have higher skills. So if we go to the foundation of these skills, is the first thing which separates us from a cat is that we've got an executive sort of CEO which runs our original instinctive brain and says stop stop for a minute and think what should you do next should you just straight away react like a kitten would react immediately to everything and so it's that stopping and and standing still and thinking what are you supposed to be doing that's that that impulsivity is controlled by the executive skills and, uh, and and parents can help their children by actually talking about that and saying, you know, that's part of growing up is not to just react and do your thing and then later on think, hey, was that a good thing or not? It is basically, it's just, just, just take your time, think. And, and so, for example, a parent can have a little mantra after a little talk and say, um, so how can you sort of 
become more aware of what you're supposed to be doing. Just count till three before you react. And so, so that's the first one. That is actually really interesting uh, what actually it does uh, because it, it separates us from the animals because we get a gain. We, we, we become aware of time. We, we realize when we stop that there is a past and a future. And so the children need to learn that, you know, I was supposed to pack my bag for school, but I didn't. Uh, or I was supposed to help mum uh, with the uh, with the dishmaster. I remember that, and I remember how she told me off last time. So I know she's going to ask me again. So that awareness of past, present, and future is the second thing which the parents can help the children with. You know, for example, you could give your child a reminder: what are the three things you must do in order to be ready for tomorrow? Or what are the two things you have to do in order uh, to help your dad, you know, with that little chore? That And that, again, you can sit down with your child and talk about that, that time is sort of an important part. And you can help them, for example, by uh, uh, if your system is all digital, you could try an analog clock because it has a better uh, conceptual thing of time. But also saying, look, it's uh, it's 530 we're going to have dinner at six. Remember the two things you need to do. So it's that constant coaching. So the two the two first things we talked about was stop and think, and then become aware of time and what you're what you must do to get a better future. That's the key. What must you do to have a better future? So those those are two things. Then the next thing which the children need to do is is to remember what they were doing when they were interrupted. And that's that's also hard for a child. You know, like they might be uh, doing something, say setting the table, and then their phone goes and they go immediately on it instead of saying, well, I'll take that later. And then they forget what they were doing and then they find themselves talking and then suddenly their dad says or somebody says, I thought you were setting the table. You know, you haven't done that. And the child feels a little bit bad about that. And so you can coach your child to say, when you are doing a task and you get interrupted, just just make a point to remember, I've got to get back to this. So that's the third thing which separates us from animals who are often just go from one thing to another. Like say you can see a dog who becomes interested in a new thing. And actually they forgot what they were doing and we laugh about that. Um, we can see them from one thing to the next. But the well-governed child actually remembers that. But a lot of children need coaching. So those that was the next one. And the last one really is related to, again, to um, to sustaining your ability to concentrate over a, over, a, over time. And so uh, little children are very distractible and they get very tired very quickly. That's normal. But as they get older, they can concentrate longer. And when a child gets into this sort of hyper-focus and just concentrates on a little task without interruption, that's a great thing. But again, parents can coach. So uh, so those are the first five. So if you like, I'll summarize them. Parents should coach their children to stop and think what's next. Uh, they should become aware of time. You know, what do you need to do in the future and what do you need to prepare in order to do it? They should try and remember, say, now remember what happened last time when we did this. So maybe you could do a little bit better. And they should uh, learn to remember what tasks they were doing 
and uh, and when they get interrupted and go back to that and, and coach them about that. And the last thing, the parents should try and increase the time the children are concentrating. So when they're very small, it might only be a very small time they were picking up a Lego or something. But as they get bigger, you say, well, shall we do a bit more and a bit more? Those are the foundations. What are the ways you can help them and coach them with this, and particularly at different ages, Joseph? Yeah, well, if everything is age-related, you know, and we have intuitively um, uh, quite a good insight into what a toddler can cope with, a five-year-old can cope with, and a, and a 12-year-old can cope with. But um, some families are really good, and I think it's partly to do with their attitude towards their children to involve them into running the household and to have good routines. So good routines take choices away and predict things in the future and strengthen the child's concept that this will happen in the future and this is what we're going to do. Involving them in tasks, uh, helping them to do those tasks, there's chores, um, run around, do this for me, and can you help me with that? The more a child is involved in practicing those executive skills by helping, doing chores, being responsible, uh, helping their, their siblings, uh, et cetera, et cetera, doing their homework for brief times and then a bit longer, that helps them a lot. And so routines and involving your child helps them a lot. Then discussions are very nice. They're very important. They don't have to be long. But it's just a little comment that I noticed. And try and praise the child for what you want them to be rather than criticize them for what they're not. So you might say, hey, you remembered all this. That was really great. You know, I really like the way or you're becoming a list person. That's really cool. Or you might think maybe you should consider doing that, having a little list. And so that's the next thing. The talking is really good and it should be an ongoing dialogue, which is 80% praise. If you think about how we coach, say, a border dog to become a drug-sniffing dog, it is all positive reinforcements. And um, negatively scolding a child sometimes can work. It sharpens them up and it straightens them out. But on the whole, it's the positivity of the parent which makes the child eager to please and do that. So talking is good, uh, routines are good, uh, and, and involvement is good. Then the next clocks are good. Clocks are very good and making them aware of time. Then, uh, amazingly, what is really important is sometimes a child, and we do that intuitively when we say, you know, look at me, I want to say something. And uh, uh, But it's actually interesting. The research shows that when a parent makes eye contact with a child and says, oh, I just want to say something here, and they're friendly, not threatening, not angry, but they're friendly. They look at their child lovingly in their eyes it's a very powerful connection. And then when the parent says, uh, I'm really proud of you the way you helped me yesterday, and I just want to remind you that tonight you're also, again, going to do the dishmaster and set a table. So I know my examples are a bit simplistic. Or you might say, I'm really happy with your progress, but one thing which concerns me, and you just look at your child smilingly, is that you still seem to forget X, Y, Z, and so how can I help you? Looking at your child and making eye contact and, and, and saying it's really setting the platform, just think about it. Your executive skills notice that. 
your brain is aware of eyes and contact and and it sort of clocks it up as wow this is important i need to remember this so eye contact is really cool really really cool then you have you know <clears throat> lists are really good uh lists say you might have a list of what are the five things you need to do to get ready for school in the morning and do them at night now the kid will forget they race around and get involved and then you say would you mind going to the fridge look at your list and would you mind doing that and telling me when you're ready and i will see how it goes that's one way of, of helping your child setting those instructions and then you just keep on telling them go to your list you know what's next go to your list and uh, and and gradually the child gains that skill of writing down what they need to do checking that list and ticking them off mentally and doing them sometimes it's really great to actually give them a little instruction card kind of um yeah like tidy your room it's not going to work for many kids way too way too much you say i've got a little a little card here for you you just do one thing just put your washing in the basket and you give them the list and say hand it back to me when you're finished and kids will run around do it and they'll bring the list back and they get that affection from you it's just actually like coaching uh, a, a sniffer dog by positive reinforcement and the last one the last one is actually extending those activities of lists and diaries and and giving your child a little diary or and 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 making them tick think and keeping the reinforcement going and uh, and then sitting down together as a family or with the child to plan their lives and say how can i help you with this and and so you become that coach you are coaching them the five executive skills in specific ways how is that that's good. Now, when things go wrong with this, typically what are they? And I, I guess I'm coming at this from the mistakes the parent might make or when they think they're doing something but they're not doing it. Typically, what are some of the things you've come across where it goes wrong? Well, the opposite is the opposite of a child with executive skills. And it's important for parents to realise this is that the executive skills, if they don't function, it's like your computer not working. And you, it's no use bashing the computer and saying, well, how bad you are. Uh, sometimes you need to correct a child, but actually it means that the executive skills are not functioning at the level the child needs to do. And there's a whole continuum of that. And some children are actually in the sort of uh, going towards attention deficit. What that means, the executive skills uh part of the brain isn't working. So you might say, remember to put your shoes, etc., in your bag because we're going to have sport. And they say yes. And then you ask them, have you done that? Oh, no, I forgot. And then you have you done it? No, I forgot. Now, you could get angry and say, you know, tune up and do a proper job, which might work, but you might find the next day they still forget. And so you've got to realize that when the child is not functioning, in this area that you need to look at yourself and think I just need to become a better coach and you need to have a think about some of the, uh, the, the uh, tips I gave and they're on your website and uh, and think about that getting angry with a child who habitually forgets and etc 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 is a risky path because they in fact are bewildered that they have forgotten this once more you know, or they are bewildered that they were late 
and they are bewildered that they didn't pack their bag because they were going to, but then they forgot, and they don't understand why. It's actually it's a it's a bit like a person being colorblind, you know, the brain isn't working. And so if you tie that with aggression and reprimand, which sometimes is good, but if you do that habitually, the child can go into a cycle of anxiety about any of these tasks, then apprehension of what will my parents say to me and do to me, and that can become either chronic anxiety and, or even depression or actually aggression, kind of, oh, what the hell with it then? You know, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to do chores anymore. and I don't care. And and really, that's a path you want to get away from. You want to realize your child isn't functioning, not because they don't want to, because they actually temporarily can't. And you need to do just do better at coaching and scaffolding that. Are children different, and can this be a problem? Um, look, we know the difference sometimes in the personality traits of the oldest versus the youngest child and between the Correct. genders um, as well, that is, that is evidenced, actually statistically evidenced. But are some children just naturally onto it and motivated towards it and enjoy it, and others just live in their own little world? And do you need to adapt, depending on your child? Um, to a degree, you do, and some people are better at it, definitely. Um, some people are much more organised, um, but the the problem with that is is that when children are habitually disorganised and can't concentrate and flip from one thing to another and forget and are unreliable and don't turn up, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's affecting. It will affect their functioning both at school and at home and with their friends. And so you want to say, okay, yeah, some people are a bit scattered. And, but if you think, well, it's going quite well, actually. You know, they end up doing things and it end up good relationships and it works well. Okay, that's fine. But if you think, hmm, you know, the, the key thing, I think, to assess a child's functioning is it, is it, is it good for them? Is it working for them? Are they, are they happy? Is it making progress? Or is this actually an ongoing pebble in their shoe which is actually holding them up? And so, yes, make allowances for people. And some people are very different, like adults. They might have very messy desks and nothing is in order and they're frantically busy, but by the end of the day, they've done heaps of things. They just go from one thing to the other thing. And to impose on them to have a tidy desk and neatly alphabetical files is not going to work. But again, as an employee, you would say, well, is this person functioning well and are they, are they effective? The answer is yes. So, yeah, adapt your child to who they are, but be aware that if they're not functioning well, it affects them and you and their future. Can there sometimes be an underlying reason, and if you have tried everything and are worried, as you were pointing out there, that it's not just a sort of a personality trait or they're a bit of a dreamer or whatever, and actually it is going to impede them, uh, are there things you should investigate? Are there some common undiagnosed uh, uh, yes, conditions yes. That, that might be relevant? Abs absolutely. Um, attention deficit disorder, which is a child which is dreamy, disorganized, forgetful, um, can't concentrate, flits from one thing to another, or becomes hyper-focused and then forgets the time. That is attention deficit disorder. And sometimes in girls and boys, it shows up in a different way. And girls can be more dreamy. That is internally, their brain keeps interrupting them. And boys can be more hyperactive. 
um, that's that's one sign. If they're on top of that hyperactive, they they're constantly running around and can't sit still and move about all the time and and walk away, etc. And you think it's the key things are: is this affecting the child? Is it affecting us? Is it affecting the relationships between the child and others? And is it affecting the school? And if you say, yeah, I can tick all those boxes and, and I've tried everything, but nothing is working, I reckon parents should then just find a clinical psychologist and just invest. Okay, how much will it cost? $400, something like that. Or, uh, invest into getting them assessed about are they on the continuum of ADHD or, or attention deficit disorder and uh, and and are there ways to deal with that? And there are ways to deal with that. There are some very good books like um, Smart But Scattered is one wonderful book. Uh, Smart But Scattered is about this kind of function. Or um, Healing Your ADD by um, uh, uh, by Dr. Amen. Uh, it's another great book. There's a really great books on it. But basically it's – and some children actually can only improve if they get medication because it actually fires up the executive skills part of the brain. And for some children, going on to a medication plus coaching changes their life. It's life-changing. It's life-changing for them, their families, and the school. But for those parents, definitely don't, don't be afraid of that. You know, Child psychiatrists are adamant is that those children who need medication, they need it. Thank you very much, as always. Joseph Dreesen, our parenting commentator. 